All right, how's everybody doing? Hotel. Hey, this is Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. Today is Monday, August 27th, 2018. And we're broadcasting here on Facebook Live. So share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. We're at uh, The African History Network, The African History Network here uh, on Facebook, okay? All right, so uh, I first saw this story uh, from, um, what date was that? August 23rd, from a few days ago. August 23rd, 2018. And then I saw, uh, story today from uh, DC Praise, which is uh, a Radio One platform. And this deals with the meeting that the black pastors had with Donald Trump, okay, around uh, prison reform, all right? So we all remember this meeting, we saw the photo ops, this was early August, okay? Um, and uh, there was an article from NBCNews.com from August 1st, 2018. Well, we all remember the video of Pastor Daryl Scott from Chicago saying that uh, Donald Trump is the most pro-Black president of his lifetime, and he's 60 years old. And you had a lot of these you know, uh, African-American pastors there just fawning over Donald Trump. Now, to their credit, when Pastor Daryl Scott made that statement, the majority of the ones that were in the camera shot, their facial expression did not change and they did not nod in agreement, the majority of them, okay, to, to their credit. Um, but uh, so this was, uh, I think, August 1st, because that's the date of the article from NBCnews.com. And uh, in the quote, it said, quote, this president actually wants to prove something to our community, our faith-based community, and our ethnic community. This is what Pastor Darrell Scott said. He said the last president didn't feel like he had to. He got a pass. I'm not sure what he's talking about. If you actually read the document, Progress of the African-American Community under the Obama administration, which is still at whitehouse.gov. I just checked it. I talked about it a couple of days ago. Uh, as well. If you actually read that document, it deals with how a lot of policies, policies from President Obama were uh, beneficial to the African-American community. And these are a lot of policies that we advocated for. Pastor Darrell Scott goes on to say, this is probably going to be the most pro-Black president in my lifetime, end quote, okay? So this drew a lot of controversy as it should. Pastor Darrell Scott was interviewed on the Time during the morning show by Roland Martin. Uh, and you know, I saw some, you know, pa uh, uh, Pastor John Gray was there as well. Okay. And I don't know a whole lot about Pastor John Gray. I see, uh, promos for his TV show on, on the Oprah Winfrey Net Network, the book of, uh, the book of John Gray, I think it's called. So I, I've seen, you know, a minute or two of his show here or there. Um, I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, I, I saw an interview that Pastor uh, John Gray did on Sister Circle Live on TV One, okay? And he was pretty impressive. This was before that meeting, however. It was pretty impressive, you know, what, what he said. Um, 
So he was there and uh, he did interviews afterwards because he came under fire. And he was saying he was there to see for himself what was going on as far as prison reform and we needed representation and things like this. Now, in the, the pastors who spoke after the meeting with Donald Trump, I never heard any of them, any of them say what tangible they got from the meeting. What was going to happen? What, what, because Trump got a photo op with a bunch of black pastors. That's what he got. And they'll run that over and over and over again on Fox News and say Donald Trump, you know, supports the African-American community and vote for Republicans midterm election, November 6, 2018. I never heard any of these pastors say, what did they get tangible from that meeting? Okay. So um, the article came out, uh, I guess, today. And we posted it here on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, um, from DC Praise. Okay, and I, I'm going to look at uh, uh, a few of these articles here. All right, PraiseDC.com, PraiseDC.com. Donald Trump pulls his support of the proposed prison reform bill. Donald Trump pulls his support of the proposed prison reform bill that pastors met about. Okay, and they had a picture of some of the pastors. Now. What's interesting is that some of these same pastors who met with Donald Trump in early August were some of the same pastors who held a press conference in January of 2017 advocating for uh, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, who at the time was U.S. Senator, one of the U.S. Senators from Alabama. They held a press conference advocating for Jeff Sessions to be Attorney General. They created, they manufactured a civil rights background for Jeff Sessions that did not exist. One of those pastors was, was Bishop Harry Jackson, okay? And I went and pulled up, because I have thousands of articles bookmarked. I remember, I remember they talked about this on News One Now with Roland Martin. And a lot of people know I used to guest host Roland's national radio show a lot. Those shows are still podcast archived on tunein.com and Roland's website. But I, I pulled up an article from news1.com uh, preparing to do this uh, broadcast here. This is from January 10th, 2017. So this is basically 10 days before the Trump's inauguration, January 20th, 2017, right? Uh, this article is entitled Black Pastors Hold Presser which is a press conference, P-R-E-S-S-E-R, -S -S -E presser, not press your hair, but presser, right, press conference. Black pastors hold presser to support Jeff Sessions, offer proof of his civil rights record. Roland Martin questions Jeff Sessions' record of fighting for voting rights, because he doesn't have a record of fighting for voting rights for African-Americans. He has a record of fighting against voting rights for African-Americans, okay? So, Read, read this article, we'll post the link here. This is from news1.com. And they also have a segment in the article from um, News One Now with Roland Martin, okay? Where he's asking, uh, you know, where is Jeff Sessions' record on fighting for civil rights? Because he doesn't have one, okay? So some of these same pastors 
who held this press conference were there at the meeting with Trump. But they didn't hold a press conference when Jeff Sessions uh, redeclared the war on drugs May 12, 2017. They didn't hold a press conference for that, okay? They, they didn't hold a press conference when, when Donald Trump reversed President Obama's policy on privatized prisons. Because in August of 2017, President Obama announced that they were not going to renew contracts for privatized prisons for federal prisoners. Well, what a lot of people don't know is that Core Civic, which used to be Corrections Corporation of America, and Geo Group, okay, who are the who who was used to be Wackenhut years ago, they're the two largest owner operators of privatized prisons in the country. They donated almost six hundred thousand dollars to Donald Trump's presidential campaign. March of two thousand sixteen, Donald Trump was interviewed by Chris Matthews on MSNBC, and he said that privatized prisons seem to work very well and they seem to save money. That's not true. So then when he became president, Trump reversed President Obama's initiative not to renew contracts with privatized prisons. When he did this, the stock price for CoreCivic and Geo Group went through the roof because they're both publicly traded stocks. Then if you look at who's making money off of the detention centers for undocumented immigrant children coming into this country, you'll see that some of the companies that have the biggest contracts are Core Civic and Geo Group. It's a, it's a billion dollar industry just housing the undocumented immigrant children. That's a billion dollar industry. Okay? So when you start connecting the dots here, then you get the you get a better understanding of what's going on. All right, how's everybody doing? Hey, share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. Hey, this is Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. So I'm, I'm talking about this story. Um, I, I first saw an article about it August 23rd, and I was so busy, didn't get a chance to get to it. But DC pray, praise DC.com, praise DC.com has an article today dealing with how. Uh, Donald Trump met with the black pastors. We all remember this early April. I think it was April 1st. Uh, I'm sorry, August, not April. That would have been April Fool's Day. <laughs> that would have been April Fool's Day joke. It was August 1st, right? Uh, and they're all sitting around smiling and grinning. And this was dealing around prison reform, okay? Now, prison reform is a uh that needs to be prison reform there needs to be criminal justice reform there needs to be policing reform okay all of that okay is important I'm not sure if trump is really serious about this however okay um and what happened was uh trump it has been announced that trump is uh withdrawing his support of this prison reform bill that was championed by jared kushner because jared kushner and ivanka they were democrats Okay, and probably still are closet Democrats. All right, so this, this is what we're talking about here, and, and I'm really getting into this. And, and, and but I got to give you some of the background history on this for you to really understand this. All right, uh, hey, if you like this type of information, 
You can donate to the African History Network, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Uh, that helps us uh, keep doing the research, keep broadcasting, stay on the air, pay the bills uh, for the African History Network. And also, uh, if you are an African-American business owner, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. And also you can advertise with the African History Network on the podcast of our weekly radio show, the African History Network show, which is on six different podcast platforms. We reach thousands of people on a weekly basis. Email us at customer service at africanhistorynetwork.com, customer service at africanhistorynetwork.com for more information, okay? And uh, we have a special promotion for uh, a few more days. Buy one month, get one month free. Uh, we put your uh, 30 to 60 second commercial into the audio podcast of our radio show. And if you don't have a commercial, we can record one for you also, all right? Okay, so, um, so look at that article from news1.com. And I just posted it here and watch the video because Roland really breaks this down, okay? And then also uh, read the article from uh, August 1st from um, NBCNews.com. Trump praised as pro-black at White House prison reform event. Trump praised as pro-black at White House prison reform event. Quote, this is probably going to be the most pro-black president in my lifetime. End quote, said Pastor Daryl Scott, a supporter of Donald Trump. Okay. All right. And we'll post the link here also because you, you got to read this, this background uh, information. All right. When I do these broadcasts, I do a lot of research uh, preparing for them. Okay. So if we look at the article from dcpraise.com, praisedc.com. Uh, written by Cheryl Jackson. And uh, I'm trying to find the date. I guess it's in the past couple of days. Uh, they cited, uh, it's probably from August 23rd, August 24th. They cited, they quoted the article from politico.com and axios.com. I went and read both of their source articles also. Okay. All right. So according to Politico, the Justice Department praised Donald Trump's decision not to back a prison and sentencing reform bill uh, that was crafted by top Republican leaders and Jared Kushner, his son-in-law and senior advisor. So Jared Kushner has been like a real champion, a champion of this, okay? Uh, Trump met with uh, Jared Kushner, who has made prison reform a priority. Attorney General Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III and Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley uh, at the White House on Thursday, this was last week, Thursday, to discuss the bill. Donald Trump declined to endorse the bill, citing the midterm elections, Axios reported. Okay, this is a short article from praisedc.com. Let's look at the two source articles they cited, okay? Then I'm gonna go to the more extensive article from NBCNews.com because it's important for us to like to really understand this. Politics um, impacts every aspect of our life, from the water we drink, to the air we breathe, to the food we eat, to the taxes we pay, to the legal structure of a business, okay? To the zoning that takes place in cities for uh, what type of businesses can go in certain districts. Uh, certain businesses can't be within a certain uh, perimeter 
uh, of schools. Um, if you have a restaurant, right, you, you're subject to health inspections, the codes that you have to follow. If you want to serve alcohol in your restaurant, you can't just go to the liquor store and buy it. You have to get a liquor license from the state that your business is in and the regulations you have to follow. This all deals with laws. Laws are written by politicians. They're written by lawmakers. This all deals with politics. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. The legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources, and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. This is what politics is. Politics is not separate from economics. It's not separate from business. It, 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 it interacts with it. So we have, to, we have to have a synthesis of the African history and culture, which gives us our VIPs, our values, our interests, and our principles. It's Dr. Leonard Jeffries and Professor James Small teaches. And then, we, and then that influences our economic empowerment and our political empowerment. It's not one of the three. It's all three. We have to have a synthesis of this. Okay? And I understand this better than most because my degree is in business administration with a major in marketing. I taught entrepreneurship for a number of years, did business consulting for a number of years in uh, for-profit and nonprofit sectors. And I've also been involved in writing public policy for the city of Detroit as well. So I understand this better than most people. Okay, so August 23rd, 2018, Politico.com had an article, DOJ praises Trump's choice not to uh, endorse prison reform bill. DOJ, Department of Justice, praises Trump's choice not to endorse prison reform bill, okay? So Jeff Sessions is against this prison reform and sentencing reform, all right? Jefferson Borgar Sessions III, hardliner, law and order, Depart he's the attorney general. He's against all of this stuff. It was Jeff Sessions who reversed uh, Attorney General Eric Holder's 2013 uh, uh, policy of uh, Smart on Crime, the Smart on Crime Initiative, which uh, backed off of um, prosecuting, trying to get the longest, harshest sentences for low-level nonviolent drug offenders. Jeff Sessions is against that. It was Jeff Sessions who redeclared through Donald Trump, right, because Donald Trump nominated him. It was Jeff Sessions who redeclared the war on drugs May 12, 2017, after it was winding down under President Barack Obama. Under President Obama, the, um, the U.S. prison population dropped to its lowest point in 20 years. Uh, down to 1.53 million as of December 2015. It's not 2.3 million anymore, as you see in the documentary 13. No, it, 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 the U.S. prison population dropped to its lowest point under President Obama, because of, largely because of reforms that he and his Department of Justice put in place. And then also you had a lot of um, uh, state's attorney generals, and, uh, you know, they were putting reforms in place as well, okay? Uh, so, see, it's important for us to understand this, right? Because, see, when I hear people talk about the Obama administration, they don't cite none of this stuff, okay? They don't talk about any of this. I listen to what people say. I can tell what they haven't read. I can tell they've never read this document right here. Progress of the African-American community during the Obama administration. Where is this from? Is this from Infowars.com? No, this is from WhiteHouse.gov. What's WhiteHouse.gov? The official website of the White House. It's still there. You can go pull it up. You can read it for yourself. They break it down based upon 
different categories, labor market, income and poverty, income, poverty, health, education, support of HBCUs, criminal justice, my brother's keeper, advancing equity for women, women and girls of color, small business, civil rights division, African-American judicial appointees, okay? A lot of people don't say, well, wait a second, President Obama made 62 lifetime appointments of African-Americans to serve on the federal bench. Those are lifetime appointments. Trump is reversing a lot of this because he's nominating a lot of young, very ultra conservative white males to the federal bench. That's a lifetime appointment, okay? Um, in total, 19% of uh, President Barack Obama's confirmed judges have been African-American compared to 16% under President Bill Clinton and 7% under President George W. Bush. That doesn't even get talked about. That doesn't even get talked about. How was that? How was that even possible? So read this article here from newsweek.com, right? Okay, and see, and, and what people have to understand is like, you, you know, one of, the, one of the arguments I was trying to make during the 2016 election cycle, and I was on the air five days a week doing national radio, doing the Michael M. Hotep show and guest hosting um, Roland Martin's national radio show as well when he was on the Empowerment Radio Network and then when he left the Empowerment Radio Network. I said, this election is not about two people. It's not about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. It's about their policies and the trajectory of the country. That's what this is about. People didn't understand that. They got caught up on personalities as opposed to understanding policies because I read both of their policies. I, I watched over 100 campaign speeches that Donald Trump gave and interviews that he gave. I did fact checking using eight different fact checking sources, fact checking statements, fact checking statements that made, they made during the debates. Okay, you can go back and listen to all those audio podcasts or those shows that I did at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com because I have almost 900 audio podcasts on my radio shows there. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, Newsweek.com. December 29, 2016, the U.S. prison population exceeded one and a half million in 2015. The U.S. prison population exceeded one and a half million in 2015. Very quickly, see, see, when you have bad information, you make stupid ass decisions. When you have bad information, you make stupid ass decisions. And the, and the decisions people make about who to vote for or whether or not to vote is based upon the information within the circumference of their own awareness. Okay, so the type of information I'm talking about right now, most people still don't even know this after about 18 or almost two years after the election. The U.S. prison population fell the most in almost four decades to 1.53 million inmates in 2015, resulting in the lowest rate of incarceration in a generation, the Department of Justice said on Thursday. The drop has been driven by changes in federal and state corrections policies that include drug treatment programs and the sentencing of fewer nonviolent drug offenders to federal prisons. The department in its year-end report on prison populations. This is under the Obama administration. This largely came from changes in policies during the Obama administration that impacted this. One, he gets no credit for this. Two, it's not even talked about. Three, it's being reversed under Trump. Okay, so we're gonna post this article here. See, because proper documentation ends all conversation. 
I, I, I come with the facts and evidence. If people who've been following me and seeing my lectures, they see me when I come to their city and speak, they know this, all right? So this is from Newsweek.com. And then also the Department of Justice report, they cited, I, I went and read that Department of Justice report also. And I think there's a link in the article. It's only a one page report, it came out December of 2016, okay? But see, see we, have to, we have to understand, we have to study this type of information. Okay, because your thoughts create feelings, your feelings create actions and behaviors, your actions and behaviors create results. Okay, Yasmin said, uh, our people are more concerned with Cardi B and Offset. I think she said, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. Okay, now they have their own problems. We need to, we need to be concerned with them to a certain extent because they are influencing our children, unfortunately. Okay. This fool could very well go back to prison for a parole violation, for being caught with a gun and, and drugs, okay? And she's a train wreck herself, all right? Okay, but um, yeah, a lot of our people are distracted with that nonsense, okay? Absolutely. Okay, let's continue here. So we posted the link to the article here from newsweek.com. People need to read this, and I deal with this um, in, in the lecture that I do called African-American Resistance in the Era of Donald Trump, Voter Suppression, Reparations, and High Elections Have Consequences. African-American Resistance in the Era of Donald Trump, Voter Suppression, Reparations, and High Elections Have Consequences. Okay, I deal with that there. All, all my presentations are available at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, all right? And then also, uh, I teach online courses. They're all on demand. We have that online course in a bundle pack. It's on sale $60, regularly $130. Uh, watch from around the world. That's at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Also, uh, the 10 course online bundle pack that I teach. Um, and we'll, we'll post the link here on the thread of the broadcast also. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll come to some of your comments here in just a minute. Let's go back to this. Uh, uh, to praisedc.com and share this broadcast on your Facebook page, okay? All right, so, um, okay, hold on, this is freezing up. Let's go back to this here. Okay, so, they cited um, the fact that one, Attorney General Jeff Sessions is against these reforms. Attorney General Jeff Sessions is against these reforms, okay? He doesn't want any uh, sentencing reform, the Smart on Crime initiative uh, put in place by Attorney General Eric Holder. He called that soft on crime, okay? I mean, these is these, these just, I mean, you have to understand that um, in 1986, Jeff Sessions was up for confirmation to become a federal judge. He was deemed too racist to be a federal judge. And Coretta Scott King wrote a letter, okay, to uh, the Judiciary Committee, I think it was at the time. She wrote a, about an eight or nine page letter saying that if Jeff Sessions became a federal judge, it will undo her husband, Dr. King's legacy, okay? Uh, there was an article from WashingtonPost.com about Wes Lowry, uh, who broke that story. All right, so. Uh, the Justice Department, back to the article from political.com, which is one of the source articles from the article from praisedc.com. The Justice Department on Thursday praised 
uh, Donald Trump's decision not to back a prison and sentencing reform bill that was crafted by top Republican leaders and Jared Kushner, his son-in-law and senior advisor, okay? So Sarah, uh, Sarah Isker Flores is a spokeswoman for the Justice Department. If you watch MS, if you watched MSNBC like during like during the campaign and afterwards, you would see her on there. Okay. Um, you see her on MSNBC. She was uh at one point a spokesperson for one of the Republican candidates. I can't remember whether it was Carly Farina, I think it was, maybe I can't remember. But quote, we're pleased the president agreed that we should not support criminal justice reform that would reduce sentences, put drug traffickers back on our streets and undermine our law enforcement officers who are working night and day to reduce violent crime and drug trafficking in the middle of an opioid crisis, end quote. Okay, this is what Sarah Isker Flora said, uh, Justice Department spokeswoman. Now, it's important to understand, one, uh, Jefferson Borgar Sessions III does not advocate holding police officers accountable. Two, he's against the investigations into the patterns and practices of police departments like we saw happen under the Obama administration. There were more investigations into the patterns and practices of the police departments under the Obama administration than any previous administration. Uh, two, when he be general, he went to back out of the uh, agreement with the um, Chicago Police Department and the Baltimore Police Department dealing with the uh, uh, consent decrees, the consent decrees. He wanted to back out of that, okay? So it's important for us to understand this and also go to justice.gov. Justice.gov is the official website of the Department of Justice. Look at their hierarchy chart and look at all the other uh, government entities, look at all the other, all the other government entities law enforcement entities that report to the attorney general, okay? Like uh, the FBI, the Drug Enforcement Agency, DEA, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Fire, Firearms, uh, the Bureau, U.S. Bureau of Prisons, all this. So look at all the entities that report to the attorney general. Now, Donald Trump met with Jared Kushner, who has made prison reform a priority. Attorney General Jeff Sessions and Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley, who's a Republican, uh, they met, uh, Trump met with them at the White House on Thursday to discuss the bill. Thursday was August 23rd, okay? Um, the, uh, Trump declined to endorse the bill, citing the midterm elections as Axios reported. We're going to go to the article from Axios in just a minute, because see, when I do when I, when I do these broadcasts and I talk about these articles, I, I've read their source articles also, okay? So the bill drew backlash from Senator, Senator Tom Cotton, Republican from Arkansas, who called the proposal a quote-unquote jailbreak that will, quote, let serious felons back on the streets, end quote. Senate Minority Whip Dick Durbin, Democrat from Illinois, on Thursday said that constructive conversations are currently being had with White House uh, with White with the White House about the legislation, quote unquote. No, but nothing is final yet. Okay, so when we look at so let's look at this. Trump attacks African American football players who silently 
respectfully protest by taking a knee. They're protesting against uh, police brutality. They're protesting against the oppression of African-Americans and people of color. They're protesting against the criminal justice system, things like this, okay? They're not protesting against the military. They're not trying to be disrespectful to the military. So Trump attacks them peacefully protesting. He called them SOBs, which talks about their mother, also calls their mother a dog, just like he called Amarosa another black woman a dog, right? We see a pattern here. And I know they, I know there've been other times he called other uh, people dogs and things like this, but other people don't have a history of being dehumanized like African-Americans do, right? So now he has, uh, uh, so then we saw, Back in June, June, June 8, 2018, he was leaving for the G, G7 summit, right? And we remember uh, there was the, uh, he was answering questions from the press. He was about to get on the uh, plane, okay? And he said that uh, the football players and the athletes could submit to him names of people who they wanted pardoned. Right, because he said, you know, this is what this is all about. Okay, it, no, all this wasn't about pardons. Right, it was about the criminal justice system. It was about policing. It was about implicit bias. It was about the unjust killing of African Americans, especially African American men who were unarmed. It was about uh, harsh sentences. It was a number of different things. It wasn't about who gets a pardon, who does not get a pardon. It's about how they got into the criminal justice system in the first place. So now, remember, Trump said during the election, he, he asked African-Americans, what the hell do you have to lose? He said, try something new, try Trump, right? So now after he gets the photo op with the black preachers sitting up there smiling and grinning, now he has an opportunity to deal with criminal justice reform, which is what African-American football players have been calling for, criminal justice, uh, 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 prison reform and sentencing reform. He has an opportunity to do that, and now he backs out of it. Pay attention to this. He chastises African-American football players. He gins up his base, calls them SOBs and things like this, right? He says they're disrespectful. They should stand proudly for the national anthem with their hand on their heart. He doesn't even know the words to the national anthem. Now he has an opportunity, right, to support a bill that brings into fruition what they've been calling for, and he backs out of it. After he asked African-Americans, what the hell do you have to lose? And he told, he said how good he was going to be for black people also. Remember this. He said how good he was going to be for black people. Okay. All right. So um, watch for the hook. All right. So um, Senator Dick Durbin, a, a Democrat from Illinois, said with Republicans in the majority, any agreement must be endorsed by Donald Trump and include a commitment from Republican leaders to move it through Congress and get it to the president's desk, okay? And we know uh, Republicans are in control of the House of Representatives and the, and the U.S. Senate. Um, so Senator John McCain just passed away. There are 99 seats in the uh, U.S. Senate. It is um, 51, uh, it's um, 
I think fifty-one forty-nine now. No, it's uh, it's fifty forty-nine. It's fifty forty-nine as of now. His seat is vacant. It's fifty forty-nine. That includes two Democrats in the Senate, Bernie Sanders and um, Angus King. The House of Representatives is 236 Republicans to about 193 Democrats in the House of Representatives, okay? So, um, Senate Majority Whip John Cornyn, Republican from Texas, uh, who it, it's, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, John Cornyn from Texas said on Wednesday that the Senate would not take up any new packages of prison and sentencing reforms before the midterm election. Now, why is that? Why is that? Because if Republicans are trying to say that African Americans should vote for them, and uh, and they're saying Democrats aren't doing anything for you, well, prison reform and sentencing reform is something that many African Americans have been advocating for in African American civil rights organizations, NAACP, Urban League, National Action Network. So if you have midterm elections coming up November 6, 2018, and you see a blue tidal wave coming about to wipe you all out, why wouldn't you go ahead and pass this legislation now before midterm elections and run on that platform? Unless maybe you weren't really serious about it in the first place. Unless maybe you weren't really serious about it in the first place. Now, you may have had some, now, now Jared Kushner may be serious about it, but, but we know that in 2016, they had, they had bipartisan support in the uh, U.S. Senate for sentencing reform and things like this, that was um, that was blocked by Jeff Sessions before Jeff Sessions left the U.S. Senate. Okay, so we have to really pay attention to this and understand what's going on. So then we look at the other source article, right? Now, at the same time, they're trying to push through uh, uh, Kavanaugh to be U.S. Supreme Court justice before midterm elections. They're trying to push him through. And see, that's the U.S. Senate. The, the House of Representatives doesn't have anything to do with Supreme Court confirmations, okay? They, um, um, that is voted on by the U.S. Senate. But they're trying to push that through, and they want to have the, the Senate confirmation hearings before um, uh, midterm elections, all right? So if we... Uh, so let's go to some of your comments here, and then we'll go to the uh, article from Axios, because I, I want to look at the two source articles from the article from praisedc.com. How's everybody doing? And post the name of, uh, if, if, hey, if you are an African-American business owner, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast, okay? And uh, email us at customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com, customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com. You can advertise with the African History Network, reach thousands of people across the country with uh, advertising on our audio podcast. Um, well, six different podcast platforms, iTunes, CastBox, TuneIn.com, Blog Talk Radio, FM Player, Acast. Those are just ones that I know of, all right? And we have a special promotion, buy one month, get one month free. We can create a commercial for you or uh, you can submit one to us and uh, we, can get you, uh, we can get you up and running today, okay? 
All right, so Francis said every pastor did not vote or agree with Donald Trump in authority. Right, right. Well, I'm not saying every pastor. I'm talking about the ones who were there at the meeting with Trump. I'm not saying every pastor. I'm talking about the ones who were at the, uh, who were at the meeting with Trump, okay? All right. Okay, so it sounds like she's saying her pastor wasn't in agreement with that. Okay, I, I understand that. I'm talking about the ones. I'm talking about the ones who were uh, at the meeting with Trump. Okay, August first. I think it was August first, two thousand eighteen, and then also the ones who uh, had the press conference back in January, January two thousand seventeen, advocating for Jeff Sessions to become uh, Attorney General. Okay, so that's 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 who I'm talking. All right, uh, let's see what else we have. Victor said, I have this old video clip of Jeff Sessions singing his song that he wrote talking about smoking weed and asking the president to smoke a joint with him and making it legal. Now, where is that? Because Jeff Sessions is against legalizing marijuana. He's against legalizing marijuana for recreational usages, uses, um, I, I, I think he's kind of mellowed some on um, medical marijuana, but he's definitely against legalizing marijuana for um, recreational uses, uses, okay? He's one of these old, real old school uh, hardliners. And the reason why marijuana was made illegal in the first place is not because it caused brain damage or anything like that. It's because African-Americans and Filipinos and Mexicans were using it. As long as white people were using it, it was fine. But Harry J. Anslinger, who was the first chairman of the National Narcotics Commission, Harry J. Anslinger lied in his congressional testimony, and he said that white women crave black men sexually when they were high on marijuana. Okay, this is why marijuana was made illegal. Okay, it wasn't the drug, it was who, who was using it. Okay, that's, that's why. This was, this was in 1937. That's why it was made illegal. And it was criminalized, okay? so that we could be criminalized. So Michelle Greer said 45 is just hateful along with many others using 911 to harass and terrorize. Uh, Kim said, wake up and rise up, stand up for all power to the people. Okay, sounds like she saw the film Black Klansman. Okay, all, <laughs> all power to all the people. Black Klansman is a good movie, go check that out. I saw it, uh, I saw a special screening of it before it came out. It's a good movie uh, from Spike Lee. Okay, Michelle uh, Richburg said, well, we knew he was, going, he was gonna do that, okay. Uh, she said, the devil in disguise. Uh, Michelle Greer said, why would he, uh, where, where would they get the pipeline to prison if it was legal? Carol said, Jeff Sessions is against black people having any freedom. See, Jeff Sessions cheered the gutting of the Voting Rights Act in 1965. Jeff Sessions is from, he was the senator to Alabama. Where was ground zero of the fight for the Voting Rights Act in 1965? It was in Alabama. Okay, so um, when you had um, uh, Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act gutted, uh, because of the U.S. Supreme Court case of Shelby County versus Holder, it was Sessions who cheered the gutting of the Voting Rights Act. And where is Shelby County? Shelby County's in Alabama. They were the plaintiffs in the case. They sued the Attorney General Eric Holder. 
okay? So all this deals with, all this deals with policies. This deals with politics. We don't understand this. All right, so if we look at the, uh, let's try to get the article from Axios up, because this is uh, running slowly here. I'm not sure what's going on. All right, let's continue. Uh, and also, if you like this type of information, hey, you could donate to the African History Network, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Uh, you can donate to the African History Network that helps us to keep doing the research and stay on the air, keep broadcasting, uh, et cetera, okay? All right. Let's see, let's try to bring this up. Uh, I'm trying to bring this up in Google Chrome. All right, and let's look at the uh, article from, um, okay, let's go to the one from NBCnews.com from August 1st, 2018. Oh, no, sorry, where we talked about that. I need to go to the other one from, uh, I need to go to the other one from, um, um, I need to go to the other one from NBC. Let me turn these alarms off. I need to go to the other one from NBC. This is um, GOP leader stall Trump push for prison sentencing reform. So this is from August 23rd. GOP leader stall Trump push for prison sentencing reform. Okay, this gives a little more background information uh, I'm going to skip over some of this so it's not so redundant. Um, so they talk about how Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, a Republican, and Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, a Democrat, have been fighting for years for a sweeping set of changes that would target the source of mass incarceration by reducing sentences for nonviolent offenders. A third of the U.S. Senate's membership have signed on as co-sponsors. Jeff Sessions is against this, okay? And he was against it when he was in the U.S. Senate. Although the White House had hoped for consideration as soon as possible, including before November, midterm elections, November 6, 2018, that time slipped away on Thursday, okay? And, and some people also cite the tension between Trump and Jeff Sessions. Tension between Donald Trump and Attorney General Jeff Sessions also cited as a reason for the delay, okay? This article from NBCnews.com is written by Kelly, uh, Kelly O'Donnell uh, for NBC News, all right? And um, let's try to pull up, uh, we, I have the article up from Axios also. I had to go to Google Chrome for that. Firefox is running slowly. So we'll go to the one from Axios uh, next, okay? Everybody share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. All right, let's continue here. This is the one from NBCnews.com, which is more extensive. All right, so um, an official said, quote, I think it would have been good politics, but I think that Senator Mitch McConnell now does not want the headache, end quote. So the White House describes Senator Mitch McConnell, a, a Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell from Kentucky. The White House described Mitch McConnell, uh, Mitch McConnell's views as, quote, if you have a strong whip, a strong whip count, 
but a few vocal critics after the election, then I'll care less about the vocal critics then. Okay. So he's saying if you have the if you have the votes to pass it, but you have some critics, he's saying I'll I'll care less about the critics then if we actually have the votes to pass this bill. So the administration framed the timing as an opportunity, quote, that gives us a couple of months to get everyone together to dispel some of the misinformation that's been put out about it, end quote, um, uh, the senior administration official said, okay? Now, Senator Mitch McConnell's office responded saying, quote, the leader made clear there will be no vote on this legislation during the pre-election work period. And while no commitments were made, by the leader on holding a vote, proponents of the legislation will continue to discuss the issue with their colleagues followed by a whip count after the October session to accurately assess the conference's view on the issue, end quote. So I think one of the other problems may be is Trump went, ran on the platform of law and order, right? Part of his platform, law and order, immigration, build the wall, Mexico's gonna pay for this wall. He's trying to strong arm the Congress to get $25 billion to build this wall that he lied and said Mexico was gonna pay for, right? So then we have to look at, well, how does Trump justify to his base prison reform and sentencing reform when he ran on the platform of law and order? And, and he, ain't talk, he didn't talk about this during the election, really. Because I watched over 100, uh, campaign speeches and interviews he did. He didn't deal with that. If he did, it was very, very little, okay? All right, now some of the tension is brewing within the Trump administration. Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who Trump attacked in an interview broadcast earlier on Thursday, or Thursday was August 23rd, same day this article came out, was part of a meeting with Donald Trump and a, and a source familiar with his position said delaying the bill was an quote-unquote unequivocal win for Sessions. The Attorney General is described as thinking it's quote the wrong time for this end quote the official said. Okay now um, the Department of Justice said in a statement that quote we're pleased uh, the president agreed that we should not support criminal justice reform that will reduce sentences, put drug traffickers back on our streets, and undermine our law enforcement officers who are working night and day to reduce violent crime, end quote, okay? Um, now, it goes on, the article goes on to say, Jeff Sessions is described by senior White House officials, senior White House, senior White House officials as quote unquote supportive of the legislation, while they acknowledged that the attorney general, quote, had heartburn on the safety valve expansion, end quote, which would give judges more discretion on sentencing for low-level crime, okay? But the statement from the, statement from the Department of Justice does not say he's supported, uh, supportive of these initiatives and these reforms at all, okay? Now, officials declined to discuss whether current tension Trump and uh, current tension Trump and Sessions uh, between Trump and Sessions, who pushed back against the president in a rare move on Thursday, is an obstacle for the legislation. All right, uh, so check out the rest of this. But it's interesting to see what the response from these black preachers are going to be. Okay, because when they left the meeting, they ain't talk about 
They didn't talk about tangibles that came from the meeting. Also, they have not had a press conference to denounce Jeff, Jeff Sessions redeclaring the war on drugs either. So they held, they held a press conference back in January 2017 talking about how good uh, Sessions was going to be for African-Americans and talked about his, his uh, background in fighting for civil rights. He does not have a background in fighting for civil rights. He does not have a history in fighting for civil rights. He has a history in fighting against civil rights, okay? Even they bring up the fact, well, he prosecuted some Klan members. One, he was reluctant to do that, okay? Two, if you ask, there was an op-ed article from the Washington Post dealing with that. And uh, it was written by the attorneys who did most of the work on that case. And they they were saying, well, hey, we're the ones who did most of the work on that case. Sessions had very little involvement in that case. His name was on the case, but they were like, we're the ones who really did the work on the case. Okay. So um, we got to, you know, we have to watch for this because you got, you know, and this is one of the reasons why some preachers should not be involved in politics. Some may, some may mean well and have good hearts and really trying to do something. But they get played because they don't know what they're doing. They don't have, they're not trained in politics. They don't have a background in politics. Their, their training is in theology, okay, to various degrees. Uh, and a lot of them should not be involved in politics. And quite frankly, uh, many of these sellout preachers, uh, their congregation needs to get up and leave and not come back until they straighten up and fly right, okay? And and that's uh, and that's uh, that's something that really needs to happen. Okay, the article from Axios.com is entitled "Scoop: Trump Won't Endorse Criminal Justice Bill Before Midterms." This is one of the source articles from the one from PraiseDC.com. This is a very very short article. So uh, the only the uh, what what is in this article that is not redundant is they ask the question why it matters, okay? Without, uh, why it matters that Trump is not uh, withdrew support. Without the president back in the bill, which might have reduced some mandatory minimum sentences for certain drug crimes and sent uh, around 4,000 prisoners home, it has zero chance of getting a vote before the midterm elections. Senate leadership was already reluctant to bring it up for a vote. The collapse of the bill is a win for opponents of the package, including law and order hardliners, Senator Tom Cotton, Republican from Arkansas, and Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Okay, so uh, check that out also from Axios, but they have the link in the article from uh, praisedc.com. Let's look at some more of your comments here. Those preachers will continue to tap dance. Uh, pastors, that's keeping it real, John said. Angie Sessions is a Strom Thurmond of 2018. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he's a Strom Thurmond of 2018. This is an example how elections have consequences, right? Because the people who told you don't vote during the 2016 election cycle, then they say, well, wait a second, the next president is going to nominate an attorney general, and that attorney general can undo the uh, progress that's happened in uh, President Obama's Department of Justice. They ain't talking about nothing like that. 
because they're dealing with personalities. They're not dealing with policies. Okay. And I heard a lot of them, they're dealing with per personalities and not dealing with policies. Then you have Pastor Eddie, uh, Eddie Fraud or Pastor Eddie Glaud um, from Princeton. During the election, he was telling people don't vote for president. He said vote for everything else. He said don't vote for president. He was telling African Americans don't vote for president. He went on news1.com saying that he was saying it on MSNBC, right? Now he has a job on MSNBC talking about how bad Trump is. Well, hell, that's what the hell, that's what we were telling you during the election cycle. Now he has a job on MSNBC talking about how bad Trump is. Because he's not on, he's a he's a contributor to MSNBC, which means he's getting paid. Okay. He's not on MSNBC to praise Donald Trump and talk about how good his policies are. During the election, he told people, especially African-Americans, don't vote for president. Okay? Because he said he didn't like Hillary Clinton, and I guess he didn't like Trump. I'm like, fool, do you realize there are 4,000 positions that Trump has to fill in his administration? Do you realize he's going to nominate Supreme Court justices? Okay? It, it, quite possibly three in the first term. Now, personally, I don't think he's going to be here. Uh, I think he's going to be forced out of office uh, next year. And if you study what happened with Watergate and Richard Nixon, August 8, 1974, when Nixon was forced to resign from office, Democrats were in control of the House of Representatives. They drew up articles of impeachment. Okay? And uh, Democrats were in charge of the U.S. Senate. And um, he uh, resigned from office before he was put on trial, even though articles of impeachment were drawn up. First article of impeachment was obstruction of justice. Second article of impeachment was abuse of power. Okay. But see, what, what I find interesting is that a lot of these people, a lot of these political pundits, the Cornell West and people like this, a lot of people who were so, who were so critical of President Obama, they're almost as quiet as church, uh, as a church mice now with Trump. And there's, there's like 20 times more things to complain about under Trump, like legitimate things under Trump than there were under Obama. I didn't agree with everything under Obama, but a lot of his policies were good. And if you actually read progress of the African-American community during the Obama administration, which most people have not read, I, you know, when I do, I do radio here in Detroit. I have people calling from across the country, the African History Network show. I listen to national radio. Usually when people say, oh, Obama didn't do anything for black people, all this stuff, right? Usually they never read this document. And then they never read the uh, 2017 uh, report card from the Urban League on the Obama administration. Don't even know it exists. Never read this either. Right? So oftentimes people are just stating a bunch of opinions and not dealing with no facts whatsoever. Okay? All right. Um, because, see, I remember during the Obama administration, I remember uh, Dr. Cornell West and Tavis Smiley had that bus tour, drawing attention to poverty. It has his merits. Where's the bus tour now under Trump? That, see, be consistent in your condemnation. Because poverty under Trump hasn't gotten better. So how is it you got a poverty bus tour under President Barack Obama but you don't have a poverty bus tour under Trump. Be consistent in your condemnation. Okay? And then I remember Michelle Alexander, who wrote the book, The New Jim Crow. I, mean, I like Michelle Alexander, you know. But I remember she wrote an article. It was carried by the root.com. 
and carried by some other one, some white publication, saying that black people should not vote for Hillary Clinton because Bill Clinton uh, passed the he signed into law Welfare Reform Reform Act and the 1994 Crime Bill, which was largely written by Senator Joe Biden. Uh, Bill Clinton didn't write the crime bill mostly. That was Senator Joe Biden. Joe Biden worked on that crime bill for six years, right? And a lot of the a lot of the crime bill, even though there were parts of it that were um, bad, a lot of the crime bill is 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 misunderstood. One, eighty-seven percent of the people that went to prison under two terms of Clinton, or even really went to prison under the crime. Well, let's rephrase it. 87% of people that went to prison under the two terms of uh, Clinton, they went under state law, not federal law. That crime bill was federal law, it wasn't state law. States had already started passing longer, harsher sentences in the 1970s and 80s. Why? Because the war on drugs was declared June 17, 1971 by Richard Nixon. And there was a changing mood in the country in, in how to fight against drug usage, drug sales, drug addiction, drug pushers, things like this. So, a, a, and, and Nixon in 1968 ran on the platform of law and order. So there was a changing mood in the country. So the crime bill is signed September 13th, 1994. That's not when mass incarceration started. If you, if you look at the increase in prison populations, that goes back to the 1970s. They ain't start in 94. A lot of people are just trying to put all this stuff on the crime bill, which is historically, factually inaccurate. Mandatory minimums did not start with the 94 crime bill. Mandatory minimums go back to Nelson D. Rockefeller, Governor Nelson D. Rockefeller of the state of New York in 1973 and 1974, and the Rockefeller drug law. That's where mandatory minimums start. They ain't start in 94. Even though mandatory minimums were in the crime bill, that, no, they, they ain't start there. So a lot of people just try to put all this now. The, 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 and also the other thing was um, you had communities all across the country crying out because of the high crime levels. Crime was near the, the crime rates. See, nationwide crime rates today, murders, violent crimes, things like this. Nationwide crime rates are at about a 40 year low today. It's entirely different than back in the 90s. You talk to police officers who back in the 90s, you do research on this, crime was off the hook, okay? So you had communities all across the country crying out for more police officers, crying out for something to be done, okay? It wasn't just African-Americans, it was Hispanics, it was white people as well, okay? And if you look at the, uh, you look at the, um, uh, you look at the article from, uh, um atlantablackstar.com okay um dealing with um how uh, which one is that uh, nine facts about white on white crime that far exceed black on black crime and how news outlets help conceal it i think that's the name of that article okay you 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 look at um you look at number seven okay you look at number seven number seven deals with the fact that um, gang, uh, gang violence and gang murders, uh, gang-associated violence and murders, were worse from 1980 to 2008. They were worse in the white community than they were in the African American community, right? But this is not talked about. Okay, um, 
the billion dollar business of operating shelters for migrant children. That's from New York Times, June 21st, 2018. Okay, that talks about, I think in that article, they talk about Core Civic. Uh, I was talking about Core Civic and Geo Group and the contracts they have, I think it's in there. The billion dollar business of operating shelters for migrant children. Okay, New York Times, uh, June 21st, 2018. Then there's another article. Um, oh, right here. Uh, what's this? Is, this? is this the one from Wall Street Journal? Or which one was this here? This other one nails it. Yeah, wallstreetjournal.com. July 2nd, 2018. Trump's immigrant detention plans benefit private prison operators. Trump's immigrant detention plans benefit private prison operators wallstreetjournal.com uh, or wsj.com wall street journal july 2nd 2018 core civic geo group both trump campaign contributors have been more reliant on ice okay revenue in recent years okay and they talk about the contracts they had all right so i'm not making this stuff up proper documentation ends all conversation i could document what i'm talking about here now, the uh, article I was talking about from, um, okay, one, this one right here, National Public Radio, February 15, 2013. The drug laws that changed how we punish. The drug laws that changed how we punish. This deals with the history of the mandatory minimums going back to the uh, uh, Nelson D. Rockefeller, Governor Nelson D. Rockefeller and the Rockefeller drug laws. This is history. This is why uh, history intersects with politics. This is why you have to understand this, okay? The, the, um, the, the crime bill signed into law September 13th, 1994, that's not when mandatory minimums started, no. <laughs> they, go back to, they go back to 73 and 74 with Nelson D. Rockefeller, okay? And let's look at this here. I was trying to get the one from uh, Rockefeller launched his campaign to toughen New York laws at a press conference in January 1973. Yeah, go back to 73. Boom, whoop, there it is. All right. Now, the article from uh, AtlantaBlackStar.com is here. Give me a minute because these are all some of my articles for uh presentations so how y'all like this type of information how's everybody doing how y'all like this type of information okay and if you like this type of information uh, be sure to register for the online courses that i teach um because i deal with a lot of history uh they include Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. That is a 14-hour, uh, seven-session online course. I deal with thousands of years of uh, history, thousands of years of uh, African history, things like that. And then also, it includes um, great African women in history, the mothers of civilization, 
African-American resistance in the era of Donald Trump, voter suppression, reparations, and how elections have consequences. Uh, it includes uh, presentation I did dealing with the film Black Panther also on March 31st. So that bundle pack is on sale, $60, regularly $130, okay? It's a 10-course online bundle pack. It's all on demand, watch at your own pace. You can watch from around the world, smartphone, tablet, or computer. Uh, that's available at africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com, right on the homepage. And then uh, we'll post a link here in the thread of the broadcast also, okay? Where is, because uh, I just saw the article from AtlantaBlackStar.com. Uh, I'll try to find that here before we get out of here. So I'm going to give you the correct name of the article. But I just saw it. I was looking through some files, and I saw it. Let's go to some of your comments here. Okay, Derek said, love it. Edward, love it. Uh, John said, keep going. Brenda, okay, said, I believe you, Michael, okay. He is D, what do you say, Leticia? Pearl, or West and Smiley still alive? Yes, they are. Now, I see Cornell West. I see clips of him every now and then on CNN, things like that. But it's like, wait a second, they're 20 times, at least 20 times more things, probably more. But let's just be conservative, right? They're 20 times, there's 20 times more things to complain about, legitimate things to complain about, about Trump than there were about Obama. So you would think you would see them complaining at least 10 times as much. But that's not the case. So I, I, just, find, I just find it very interesting, you know. Uh, a lot of these people who were so vocal about Obama didn't do this, Obama didn't do that. Well, Trump is reversing what Obama did. So why aren't you vocal on that? You know, so or maybe it was something else. You know, maybe it was something else. So uh, still trying to figure that one out. Okay, so I may have to pull this one up online. I thought I had the article here. Should be here, but okay. All right, continue. Kevin said, wow, that's a shame. We gotta create our own reform programs. Okay. And also, uh, if you'd like this type of information, you can donate to the African History Network. That helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, pay the bills, etc." paypal.me, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Uh, you can set up a recurring donation monthly if you want to. You can donate, you know, 10, 15, 25, 50, $100, whatever it is. We appreciate that. And for African-American business owners, um, you can reach thousands of uh, people across the country, thousands of potential customers. Uh, you can advertise on the podcast of our radio shows. Um, email us at customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com. Customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, our shows on Blog Talk Radio between one to two weeks get between about four to eight thousand listens. We have listeners all across the country. Uh, we can put your thirty-second to sixty-second commercial into the uh, audio podcast of our of our uh, radio shows. Okay, I do the show Sunday nights. 
And uh, some of the other broadcasts I do throughout the week, we put some commercials in there as well. We're on six different podcast platforms. We're on Blog Talk Radio. We're on iTunes, uh, uh, Acast, CastBox, FM Player, TuneIn.com, okay? And um, you can send your 30-second to 60-second commercial to us uh, just with non-copywritten music if there's music uh, involved. Uh, or you can write a script. We can record a commercial for you, okay? And we have a special promotion right now. Buy one month, get one month free. Um, and that's going on um, a few more days here. Email us at customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com for more information. And we can get you up and running today. Okay. All right. I want to pull this one up here from um, landoflackstar.com. Nine facts that show white on white crime uh Far exceeds black on black crime. Okay. Let's go to some more of your comments. So we have any African American business owners here? Post the name of your business. Uh Erica. I've already signed up for one of those. So Erica, you signed up for one of the commercials? When did you do that? I don't remember that. Email me a customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, Derek, Edward, all right. Okay, those in the Philadelphia area, hey, I'll be in Philadelphia for the All Black National Convention. Uh, I'll be there September, so Thursday, September 27th through Sunday, September 30th. Um, that's the one Dr. Boyce Watkins does in Philadelphia. Okay, and I'm, I'll be on a panel discussion that Saturday, dealing with why we must buy black. I'll be a vendor. They'll also so come check me out. All right. Uh, all, visit allblacknationalconvention.com, allblacknationalconvention.com for more information, okay? All right. So the article from AtlantaBlackStar.com appears, the name of that article is Nine Facts That Show White on White Crime Far Exceed Black on Black Crime and how media outlets conceal it, okay? And look at, uh, look at number seven, all right? Uh, and that did, number seven deals with how uh, the Bureau um, of, um, was it the Bureau of Justice Statistics, their study looking at uh, homicides from 1980 to 2008, found that uh, uh, gang-related homicides uh, were, uh, let me see, something like 53% of uh, gang-related homicides were committed by white people, uh, and about 56% of gang-related homicide victims were, uh, were white also, okay? Uh, gang killings, okay? When gang-related gang killings are referred to on the news, they treat it as an almost exclusively black problem. However, according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, for the period of 1980 to uh, 2008, a majority, 53.3% of gang homicides were committed by white offenders, and the majority of gang homicide victims, 56.5% were white. I got it correct. All right, because I was going by memory. All right, so that is not that is not what is reflected in the media through the television. 
most people don't know the, the majority of gang-related killings are committed by white people, and the majority of gang-related homicides, the victims are white people. That's not the image shown to us on the television, right? So this is from 1980 to 2008. Go back to 94 crime bill, violence was off the hook across the country. You have white people calling out to their elected officials, calling for something to be done, and more police on the streets and things like this. Hispanics calling out, African-Americans. It was, it was crazy, okay? But most people didn't know the majority of the people doing the gangland killing, the gang-related killings, were white. We thought it was just a black thing. Okay? All right, and uh, let's see here. Let's get some of your last comments in here. From one of the commercials you aired on the podcast. Okay, all right. Okay, we've got Ann also. All right. Okay, so once again, uh, allblacknationalconvention.com, allblacknationalconvention.com. Hey, listen to the um, uh, podcast of our radio shows at africanhistorynetwork.com. We have the link there. Listen to them. Listen to, the, um, listen to our show live, the African History Network show, Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation out of Detroit. Information is at our website. Sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter, okay? Uh, or you can go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And all of my DVD lectures are available at our website as well. Uh, we have bundle packs there also. We have a six DVD Black Panther bundle pack there at our website also, okay? And, um, Probably the best deal are the online courses that I teach. We have the bundle pack. Uh, you get uh, 10 in the bundle pack for $60, regularly $130. They're all on demand, watch from around the world. It includes ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school. That's a 14-hour, seven-session online course that I teach. Uh, it also includes great African women in history, the mothers of civilization. Uh, African-American resistance in the era of Donald Trump, voter suppression, reparations, and how elections have consequences, and some other uh, other ones as well. Okay, all right, so look, we gotta get out of here. Okay, so look, we have to get out of here. Hey, remember at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now this corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. Right now is correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.